Hey fellow nerds, I'm Megan Smiley and this is the Lawyer's Escape Pod. For those of you who've gotten into practice, looked around and thought, so this is my life? I get it. You're in deep and you feel stuck. You may have no idea what the next step would be, or maybe you have an idea, but think it's unrealistic. I truly believe that there's a path forward for each of us if we're intentional about finding it. And this podcast will be a great source of advice and inspiration for you to make that leap to a more fulfilling career. Seth, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Megan. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to chat with you again in a different place. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I ask everyone the first question of what took you to law school in the first place? Yeah, sure. Um, for me, you know, I think a lot of people can identify with this, but I didn't really have a passion for law or really for anything exactly. <laughs> as far as career-wise. Um, you know, I was always pretty smart um, growing up, and I grew up in a blue-collar uh, family. My my dad's a retired coal miner, my mom's a retired teacher, and it just kind of had the blue-collar mentality and had the kind of, you know, get the best job you can get work nine to five till 65 kind of mentality and attitude. And, you know, for me growing up, I was like, okay, well, what's the best job I can get? And it was <laughs> to be a doctor. That's what I thought. Yeah. And so I went to, went to med school for about a year and a couple of weeks and dropped out because I hated it. I literally got up in the middle of class and walked out and said that was it. And oh, wow. I had a, had a meeting with the Dean because, you know, people just don't do that on a whim. And I just, you know, told her that it wasn't for me. And, you know, I looked at other options, looked at transferring to dentistry school and all this other stuff. Like, no, I've got to find my path. I've got to get out of this. Um, But at that point in time, I I still didn't know. I still had the same mindset. And at that point, it was like, what's the next best job I can get? And I eventually made my way into into law school. (laughs) You're like, you dodge one (laughs) bullet just to walk in the path of another. (laughs) Right, exactly, exactly. So, you know, I just kind of found myself in every graduate school possible, um, followed through with with law school and and did well there and did the big law firm stuff and, you know, went down that pathway. Yeah. So, you didn't have the same reaction in law school that you had in med school, which was like, oh, wow, immediately no, immediately no. <laughs> I did not. It, yeah. Exactly. I think it, it lined up a little bit better with who I really was. I didn't know who that was yet, but yeah. it, it, it lined up with you know business and real estate and being an entrepreneur. There were a lot more of that kind of mindset right. folks there than um, in, in medical school where everybody kind of had the same train of thought. Right. That makes sense. So- when you came out and went into sort of the big law space, did you know at that point that you wanted to get into real estate? What was your thinking once you sort of entered the the job market? Well, from an investment standpoint, I did. Um, I don't know where I got that interest from because, again, my family was not entrepreneurial. We didn't own real estate other than our own house. Yeah. Um, I don't know where I got that from, but I've always been interested in owning real estate. Um, so as soon as I got that first big law firm job, Sure, I did the dumb stuff and, and bought a, a new BMW as soon as I could. But then I, you know, did a smart thing too, and I, I bought a duplex and lived in half and rented the other half out. Mm-hmm. So I kind of got involved with real estate investing pretty early, and I also was gravitate. I also gravitated towards that from a practice perspective as well, mm-hmm. and you know, just started kind of getting transactional experience in general, and then gravitated towards real estate and finance. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, how did how did you feel practicing at, you know, at the big firms? 
at, at first, it, you know, I think when you first start, it's exciting, right? You're happy mm -hmm. you got that job. You know, everybody's trying to get those types of jobs. And when you land one, it's exciting. Um, and then you quickly realize that it's a ton of work. You're billing a ton of hours. You've got, you know, 50 bosses, 100 bosses, however many people are in the office. Anybody senior right. to you is your boss. Um, and you find out quickly that it's, you know, it's difficult and there's office politics and all that kind of stuff that I'm not privy to. And, right. you know, for me, I, I just saw the writing on the wall pretty early, even though I, did, I didn't necessarily hate it yet. <laughs> I think it took a little bit of time. Yeah. Um, but I did notice immediately that, you know, the end game wasn't for me. The end game was these guys that are, you know, 60 or these guys and gals that are 60, 70 years old and they're still practicing law. They're still partners at the big law firms and they're still, you know, getting into the office before me, leaving after me, even as a young associate. And yeah. they've done everything right along the way. Like they've, you know, brought in business, they've built the 3000 hours a year, they've right. done everything right. And this is what they get at the end. I know. I also remember having that thought of being like, that's the prize. Yeah, exactly. It's really strange. You know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I didn't go down that pathway, luckily, but yeah. you know, I think you just kind of, you, there's a few things involved there. I think you get really good at it and mm -hmm. you, you take a little bit of pride and joy from that, just being good at something. But yeah. that also takes away from other parts of your life. It, it can't not do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. It takes away from your relationships, takes away from your hobbies, takes away from the things that you you actually would do in your life if you didn't have to be at the office all the time. Right, right. So how did that kind of evolve for you in thinking, you know, all right, maybe these, you know, a big firm isn't for me. And, you know, was that hard to start thinking about walking away from that? Yeah, it was. It was very difficult, yeah. especially since I've, you know, kind of restarted already right. with medical school. And in between medical school and law school, I actually went and got my MBA too. So I'd been in school for a really long time. And you've been to more graduate schools than I have, which is saying something. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, and you work really hard to get there. You yeah. work really hard to get that big law firm job. You're making yeah. good money. And, you know, most people look at that like, oh, you made it. Just stick with it. Like, why not? Yeah. Um, but I could see that wasn't going to be the long-term plan, but I didn't immediately bail. I was interested in investing in real estate and entrepreneurship. So I just started collecting properties along the way. Right. Um, look, looking back at it, I, I did it the wrong way. And that's kind of what I talk to people about. Like if you're working in a big law firm, maybe you shouldn't do fix and flips from 2000 miles away or buy duplexes. Maybe you should invest in, in something larger, you know, commercial property, something a little bit more passive. Right. So I started kind of hedging my bets and buying, buying real estate and kind of looking at other businesses. I eventually, while I was still working, I bought a gym um, and, and, and it was a franchise. So it was a little bit more passive in that your marketing, your branding, your, right. your systems are already in place. So just started kind of hedging my bets. While I was, I was really working. obsessed with franchises for a while. Like not yeah. super obsessed, but I think it's an interesting model that people don't talk about a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you're going to start, you know, a brick and mortar business or even an online business, a franchise yeah. isn't a bad way to look at it. Of course, they're going to get their cut. Right. But at the same time, they, they do a lot for you. I mean, they give you the systems, they give you the branding, they give you the marketing. Um, they, hopefully they give you a recognizable brand that you can use to your advantage. 
yeah. and it's just you know you're you're starting in a much better place than starting from ground zero right right um yeah no that's just interesting so you you like were pretty far into like i'm building sort of a real estate business or some other kind of business like and you're doing this all on the side of your 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 law job right yeah that's right so i feel like a lot of people are like, I don't have time for that. So how did you find the time to both do your job and sort of build out these businesses? It, it's difficult. I mean, it, it's difficult. I think one advantage I had is that, you know, even though I was married, I, I didn't have kids. I know kids take a lot of time. Um, you know, it's just things like that. You've just got to carve out extra time. You've got to get up earlier in the morning. Yeah. Um, even if you do have kids before they wake up, get up at 4 a.m., whatever time you got to do. It depends on yeah. how bad you want it and what you want to do. But if you want to start kind of carving out the life that you want and you're not ready to give up any hours in your active income, then you're going to have to find time somewhere, whether that's before work or after work or yeah. even after pe- the rest of your family goes to sleep, you kind of got to carve out those those hours to dedicate towards whatever you're working towards. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so important because it's not that there's not time. It's just that it's uncomfortable and, you know, you know, nobody wants to work all those hours. And of course the idea isn't to be like that permanently, but I think it just the, it just seems impossible to a lot of people. And I just always like to point out it's not impossible. (laughs) Yeah, you're right. Your first reaction though is for a busy professional is always, I don't have time for that. Even if you say, Hey, you need to start going to the gym they're going to say, oh, I just don't have time. Like, I don't have any time. I, I yeah. spend time with my family. I go to work. I have, you know, administrative stuff to do. I've got networking stuff to do. But you you do have time. Um, yeah. you, you can figure that out. And, and the more time that you start carving out for other things, the more you realize that before you, you actually did have time. Yeah. And I imagine, well, tell me if this is, is accurate or not, but at that point when you sort of had decided to devote all of this time, you really knew in your sort of heart and mind that like law wasn't for you, this other thing was for you. And so sort of, it's a little bit easier to find that time when you're like fully committed to the thing that you're trying to build. Exactly. When you find something that piques your interest and actually does, you'll you'll make time for it. And the more you get into it, the more you learn the more you educate yourself about that craft, the more you're going to be like, oh, yeah, okay, I can figure this out. I'll put more time in it. And it becomes a little bit more exciting and it's easier to dedicate some more time to it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So how did you sort of go from, when did you ultimately decide, okay, I'm done practicing at sort of a firm? Yeah, so I was unceremoniously let go. And that kind (laughs) of alludes to, kind of what we've been talking about is it's yeah. really hard to carve out all those hours. If you're trying to scale a real estate business, scale a business, yeah, yeah. you can start on the side to a certain extent, but it reaches a breaking point where it's going to start taking away from something, whether that's your personal life or your law career or whatever yeah. it might be. Um, and, you know, I I ran into an issue where I'm flipping houses basically from 2000 miles away and trying to manage contractors and do all this right. stuff and get into some commercial real estate. And it just, it just kind of took over. And, you know, I, I consciously made that decision. I was like, right. this is what you're working for. So this stuff, you to set a certain your extent, own priorities. Yeah. yeah. To, to the certain extent, this stuff has to take some priority and, yeah. you know, working in a big law firm, they're number one. Like right, right. you have to, you just have the 20 minute rule. I'm sure your listeners have heard of that 
where you just, you have to answer a client email within 20 minutes. It's like, that's very demanding when there's, <laughs> when oh you're gosh. not at your desk all day long. Right. Um, so it, it, Oh, it, it's work. just so horrible. Like, <laughs> it's just so horrible. It's no way to live. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, different businesses are different, right? Like some businesses would probably be a little bit more manageable sure. for longer on the side than like real, you know, a terrestrial based business that's not near you. <laughs> exactly. And that yeah. that's what I try to explore for folks because I'm, yeah. you know, I don't say, unless you're miserable. I mean, if you're miserable, of course, we need to figure out a way to get you out of that job as quickly as possible. But if you're not, if you're just kind of like, ah, I don't know if I love this. I don't know if this is going to be for the next 30 years. Then maybe if you're getting paid a lot of money, stick with it for a little while and see what we can do to create some more additional income streams while you're still working, you're still making a lot of money and you can put some of that money, take some of that active income, put it into some passive income streams. Right, right. It sort of funds your exploration of something else and like let the firm pay for your development. Exactly, <laughs> <In a way. laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, very much so. Um, you know, that's something I sort of talk to people about is really thinking through, you know, I think there are people out there who these ideas kind of, you know, are in their head somewhere like, oh, what I want to do this or what I want to do that. And some of it is really getting down to like understanding what the business models are around this and what would make sense for, for you, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, if you just say, you know, a lot of people want to get involved in real estate, they, they understand that real estate's a good investment vehicle yeah. and maybe they're only invested in their 401k, which you can't really access till you're 60 years old. Yeah. Um, and they want to get into real estate, but they don't know where to start. And most people start with like, you know, HGTV and they see a fix and flip and they're like, oh, that looks fun. I can do that. Well, it's actually <laughs> yeah. very difficult to do. And depending on what market you're in, it's very expensive. Yeah. And if you live yeah. in Southern California, then you're going to be flipping somewhere uh, else and trying to manage from exactly. you know, hundreds or thousands of miles away. So you just need to know what you're getting yourself into. There's, you know, there's active real estate investing, like fix and flips and wholesales yeah. and buying single family rentals. And then there's passive ways to invest like in you know a syndication or something like that where you just vet the sponsor you vet the deal in the market up front and then mm -hmm. you invest some money and then you just wait and collect your check yeah that sounds better to me yeah. <laughs> and you no, know it's the friends, same for business you know, I know too. people who yeah. do do the sort of like you know multi-unit uh, you know rental um model but you know they're landlords right yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or you can buy those properties directly, the bigger ones. But mm -hmm. again, you're going to be in the same place where you're operating the property, you're managing your property manager, you're dealing with tenants to a certain extent. Yeah. And it, it just, it depends on where you're at in that spectrum as far as active versus passive and how much time you have and how much time you want to dedicate to it. Yeah. If you're not, if you know that real estate is a good investment, but it's not necessarily something that, you know, you love or you're interested in, then the passive way to go is, is, is the way to go. I mean, invest with people that know what they're doing that are good operators mm -hmm. and will, you know, give you a, a good return on your money. Yeah. Yeah. So at, you, you got let go from your firm and where did you go from there? How did you proceed? At that point in time, I started my own firm. I said, you know what, I've, I've got contacts in the real estate industry. They need work. Um, I can just start my own firm and, you know, get by um, with, you know, just some additional income. At that point in time, I already had uh, quite a few properties that brought me in some income. So I, I didn't need to, you know, immediately go and find more work, which is your first reaction, right? You're like, oh, yeah. no, yeah. like I've got to go find some more legal work. 
um, for me, I said, you know, this is probably the best opportunity for me to just dive right in and, and yeah. really kind of focus on the real estate investing and, and growing my businesses as well. Yeah. So a couple of questions about starting your own firm was one, you know, like how easy or hard was it to sort of go out on your own, both sort of like from a confidence standpoint and a mechanical standpoint. And, you know, at what were you sort of still enjoying doing the law or were you doing that just because you, your sort of other businesses hadn't gotten to sort of, you know, to support you full time? Yeah, I, I think it was, I, I wasn't confident yet that I could support myself with the um, real estate investments and the gym business at that point in time. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just, and you lose that paycheck, right? We all get to that point where it's like, what are we going to do when we don't get paid every two weeks, right. this certain dollar amount? So it's, you know, and growing up in a blue collar family, it's just sticker shock. It's like, oh, I, you know, might be inconsistent income here for a little while. So you've got to get, you've got to get used to that. And, you know, mechanically, it wasn't that hard. Again, I had a lot of contacts in the real estate industry, like real mm-hmm. estate developers and investors that were buying properties. So, you know, I could provide my legal services for them. Yeah. You know, it's not anything compared to working at a big firm, but you had a lot more freedom and flexibility with your time. Right. You could sort of decide, you know, how much work you wanted to take on and what your policy is about getting back to people. are. Yeah, ex- Exactly. And what I found was that I didn't hate the work. Mm. I I hated the office. I hated working at a law firm. I hated having to go into the office and dress up and kiss everyone's ass and have 50,000 bosses and, you know, coffee pot banter and all that stuff. I hated that. But the actual practice, I didn't hate it because it's real estate and I love real estate and I love business. So, you know, the, the practice itself wasn't the problem. It's just kind of the the big law firm culture. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's so important for people to kind of digest like which side of that fence you're on. You know, for me, it was like, no, it's the work. I don't want to be part of this. Right. (laughs) But I think there are a lot of people that, you know, in the right environment, the work does suit them. Um, But it sounds like you really have been able to so tightly tailor your practice to your interests and your sort of business passions. Yeah. I mean, for instance, now I partner with uh, on the ground operators for large commercial properties and I'm a, I'm a straight equity partner with them, but I handle the legal work. I do um, the securities. I draft the securities documents. I draft and negotiate the purchase and sale agreement, the title, the survey, all the real estate stuff um, in exchange for equity and maybe, maybe some dollars as well. Um, But that's stuff that I know how to do. I'm good at it. And you know, it's real estate. And I love working with these guys that are, that are in real estate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, did, I'm just curious, like along the, you said you sort of, you know, your father was a retired coal miner. Your mom was a teacher. Were they like, Oh, this is amazing. Or were they like, what are you doing? <laughs> I, they still don't know what I do. They, they have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, I don't think they have any idea. Um, they, they're extremely, they've always been extremely supportive in everything mm-hmm. I do. Even when I dropped out of med school, yeah, it was a really difficult conversation to have. This yeah. thing that I've been working for my whole life, I just said, you know what, I'm done with it. But no matter what, they've always been very supportive. I think even though they don't fully understand, you know, the the mental attitude that I have as far as entrepreneurship is concerned. And, you know, when I say I'm buying 
350 unit properties like they i don't think they really grasped that right right but um but they're they're they've always been loving and supportive in everything that i do yeah and what's sort of you know maybe just tell us a little bit about what it is you do on this real estate side yeah so you know we we partner um i partner with operators that are on the ground so they're the people that are actually going to be running the properties. They've got the experience, the track record that they're just rinse and repeat. They've bought these 100, 200, 300 unit properties over and over again. They know how to add value to the property, get them released up to tenants, and then maybe even sell them on the back end or exit at some point. I partner with them by you know doing giving them my legal expertise, whether that's actually doing the nitty gritty and, and drafting and negotiating the documents, or just kind of overseeing the other attorneys that are on the deal. Mm -hmm. um, raising capital, um, talking to investors, things like that. And what I do is I bring in investors. I bring in passive investors, folks like mm -hmm. your listeners who are attorneys or doctors, whoever they might be that don't have time to do what I do um, because I was in their shoes at one point in time. And, yeah. you know, it's a high barrier of entry. These, these deals, you have to spend 50,000 bucks, 75,000 bucks, 100,000 bucks to get into them. Yeah. But they are on a risk adjusted basis, far superior to anything that most traditional investors have invested in, like the stock market, mutual funds, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. So, so you're not, did you ever do the kind of like, you know, single unit, you know, model or is has you have you sort of always been at this kind of larger almost enterprise level oh no it it took a it yeah. took some mindset shifts to get that far i mean my first property was a duplex that i lived in one yeah. half and rented the other right. and then i started doing fix and flips and wholesales and you know buying just single family houses one to four units and you just kind of work your way up and what you'll find is a lot of people run into this ceiling where they're like well, this is just a lot of work. I've, I own 10 houses or I own 20 houses and it's just, it's a lot of work yeah. and it's hard to scale. And then you start looking at bigger properties and you, you try to figure that out on how to, how to scale up. It, yeah. And that's on, that's on the active side. On the passive side, if you want to just work your nine to five, work your job and you're good at it and you don't mind it, take that active income and just invest it passively and it doesn't take your time right. away. Right. So another thing I, I, you know, I run into when I, when I talk to people and I think a lot of the, my listeners are kind of, they're like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know how to do these things. <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't know how to do any of that, let alone like, you know, how do you, you know, become a fundraiser and how do you all of, you know, the, it's a new set of skills from what we are taught. Although it sounds, you know, in your case, you're also using your legal skills that you bring with you to, to add value. But you know, what was your experience of sort of getting up to speed on something that, you know, you weren't trained in? You know, it, it's a gradual process. I think that it helped a lot by doing the the dirt work, as so to speak, as far mm -hmm. as, you know, the real estate legal work, but also mm -hmm. owning kind of fix and flips and one to four unit properties and working my way up to, to smaller commercial properties. Um, and then you just, you, the best way to do it, if you want to be on the active side, if you actually want to raise capital and, um, you know, operate these properties, I always say, get a mentor or a coach. I mean, mm -hmm. they're going to accelerate your growth exponentially. Um, you, you know, you can listen to podcasts, you can read the books, you can network. Those are all great things. You're going to have to do all those things. But at the same time, if you get a mentor or a coach, whether that's someone that might just take you under their wing or you have to pay for it. Yeah. it will help you immensely and, and help you from making mistakes along the way. Yeah, I 
I couldn't agree more. I think there's there's a time and a place for research, and then there's a time and a place for, okay, I'm doing this, and I'm going to sort of a little bit put my money where my mouth is and then like really yeah. do it. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and my mentor told me, you should invest passively first. When I started kind of thinking about mm -hmm. making that jump from single family houses to 100 plus unit apartment buildings, some people just dive right in. They have some success. Some people... Mm -hmm do not. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, being a, being an attorney, I'm a little bit more conservative. I'm like, I want to make sure that I know as much as I can before jumping in. So they said invest passively first. So that's what I did. I invested passively first in these large deals um, and a handful of them. And then yeah. I transitioned my way to the active side. Yeah. So do you sort of consider yourself like where on the risk aversion scale would you put yourself? Because this is another question that always comes up is like, oh, the people who like do these things are just like, what you know they just are different mentality people <laughs> yeah i you know i've seen somewhere in the middle yeah and you know it's just because i don't know i think the way that people look at these things they look at them as risky and they look at them as risky because they don't know enough about them yeah to to consider them what they are and to me now that i know how these things work now that i i've seen the inside and the out on, on a risk adjusted basis they're just so much better than you know, your stocks and, and bonds and mutual funds and things that you have absolutely zero control over. You don't know the CEOs of these companies. You don't know if it's going to go from, you know, $100 a share to, to out of business tomorrow compared to when you have something secured by a real asset, your value can only go so far down. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your favorite part about what you do and sort of the career that you've built for your spell? yourself particularly in light of like sort of what your experience working at a firm was like it's honestly it's talking to investors that are in the same shoes as i was when i was working at a big law firm and you know they want to invest in real estate and their first thought is oh well how do i find a single family house to to buy and rent out you know that's the mm -hmm. first thing that they think about and then i show them that there's you can get involved in these institutional quality investments for the same amount of money and you don't have to put in all the work and your returns are going to be pretty similar and you still get all the tax benefits. Mm -hmm. it, you know, it, it blows people's minds because they just, they don't know about it. I mean, you know, before the the jobs act and was it 2012 or whenever that was, that's kind of when these types of investments were able to be advertised for and solicited for. So that's, you know, it's relatively new. I mean, within the last nine, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. And sort of where do you see yourself going from here? Like any sort of long-term plans about where this kind of business takes you? Yeah, I mean, I'm in full go mode right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I partner with operators and bring investors um, to them and, and kind of bring some capital to their deals. Um, and then at the same time, I'm buying real estate directly as well. I'm exploring RV parks, um, always involved in multifamily, but that's, you know, those returns are getting a little bit compressed. So looking at other, other ways to, you know, hit those returns, which, you know, RV parks, things like conversions from a hotel to an apartment building, or, um, you know, these big box retail to self-storage, things like that, where you repurpose, um, assets that are, are no longer viable in the, in the current, in the current market. Yeah. What's so clear from talking to you is that you're just like, you really love this stuff, yeah. <laughs> you know? And I think that's so, that's so great. Like that's, it, it, it's just sort of having the, the guts in some way to take the thing that you're really interested in and go for it. So yes, there's this passive, you know, income element 
that is available to people who don't want to devote their lives to it. But there's also sort of the other side of what you do, which is just like really being down in the deep parts of real estate because you just like it. Right. Yeah. I mean, for a lot of people, this is kind of the cycle. They start w- once they get over the the mental hump of, okay, I can invest in institutional quality investments. You start investing passively first. You're like, oh, I like those returns, but this is kind of interesting. Maybe I should just go buy a building myself. Then you might do that. If you take that big step. Like a gateway you- drug. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. you, go, you go and you buy that building or whatever, and maybe you enjoy it, maybe you don't. But you stick with that because you do get a little bit more out of it, right? Like you can mm-hmm. carve out some more equity for yourself. Um, but what you find is at the end of the day, after, I don't know, the first deal or after 20 years of doing it, you're going to be like, oh, I want to get out of this. How do I get out of it? And yeah. then you're like, okay, you circle back to investing passively or investing in yeah, yeah. notes or lending or something like that that's just really passive. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. So, you know, in terms of like like learning more and what your resources, I know you have a podcast. Do you want to tell people sort of what you, what you do on your podcast? Yeah, for sure. It's the passive income attorney podcast. Um, it's really geared towards attorneys. Like that's, that's my people. I'm an attorney. I was in everyone's shoes um, at a big law firm and looking for something else. I mean, a lot of folks are, are looking for, you know, they might just be looking for a way to invest in real estate, but they also might be looking for a way out. Real estate can give you that. Um, maybe you can look at a franchise. Again, I started a gym. We're buying a second gym as we speak. We're mm. going to buy three more in February. Um, it, it's a scalable model. So there are just different ways that you can you can get involved. And you, know, you can layer these things on top of each other. For instance, there's a thing called infinite banking that some people um, may have heard about where you invest in you know, whole life insurance policies and then you borrow against that and then mm-hmm. invest that into real estate. And basically you make your money work for you in two different places. So there's there's tons of different different strategies to do it. So I like to just sit down and talk with other attorneys that are were in my shoes and and kind of carve out a, a plan for them to either eventually walk away from their practice or if they just want to invest, then that's a lot simpler. Yeah. I think I think that's great. I think that, you know, we live in a different world than the world that you, you know, our parents came up in, right? Where you like get a job, whatever, whether that's sort of, you know, what a, being a lawyer or being a teacher or whatever, and you just kind of like post up for 40 years and wait for your, your 401k to, to, you know, support you in your retirement. And it, you know, I think there's just a whole different paradigm that we're in right now and mm-hmm. that you're very much a part of, of that shift. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Um, so are there any other like resources or pieces of advice that, that you'd give to people listening, thinking about sort of leaving law or, you know, getting into this world at all? Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'd love for you to listen to my podcast, but if you're just getting started, this is how I started and how a lot of people start, start the, the most basic podcast is, is called bigger pockets and it's very appealing to kind of the masses. I mean, it, they talk about, fix and flips. They talk about single family rentals. They talk about, you know, 300 unit apartment buildings, but they, mm-hmm. they're kind of like the, and, and they also have a website where you can chat with other real estate investors. So that's where a lot of people get started. And that's usually where I tell people to kind of start there and then, um, you know, kind of progress from there to look into more specific types of investing or businesses that you want to get into. Awesome. Well, is there, is there somewhere where people can find you the best place to find you other than 
the podcast, which I'll link in the in the notes. Yeah, for sure. You can grab um, the Freedom Blueprint. It's uh, eight things your financial advisor doesn't want you to know. Um, I go to battle with financial advisors and, and Wall Street um, on a regular basis. So you can find that at <laughs> attorneybydesign.com. And you can reach out to me on any social media platform. Pretty easy to find. Seth Paul Bradley. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Seth. I really uh, appreciate you taking the time to chat. This was, this was fun. Thanks, mate. You really appreciate it. Yeah.